Well, we are absolutely thrilled with our next guest to be joining us here. Uh, you, you know, we've, we've kind of set a, a high bar through the first few episodes of Breakthrough Chronicles because we've already had a couple of Hall of Famers and we're adding a third to the list. And it is a gentleman that, that I watched as a young man wrestling back at Mesa High School, watched him with an amazing career at Arizona State University. And we are thrilled to welcome in the one, the only Hall of Famer himself, three-time All-American. The accolades continue, so I'll keep it brief. But Anthony Robles. Anthony, it is so good to see you, my friend. Uh, it's just a pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I guess I have to address you now as Coach Robles. <laughs> I mean, that's got a pretty cool ring to it, right? Uh, yes, sir. It definitely does. And, you know, I'm blessed to be able to coach back at Mesa High, my home where, you know, where it all started for me and just to be able to get back to the sport and the school I love. It's a, it's a dream come true. That's for sure. So when, you know, while we're talking about the coaching thing, when, when did that bug hit you? Was it kind of always there just because of how much of your life you have dedicated to the sport of wrestling? It, it absolutely was there, you know, from from I'd say Probably my senior year of high school, I knew that eventually I would love to circle back around and get into coaching. I wasn't sure exactly what level would that be, college or high school. And um, But, you know, as I continued to go through my career, um, I, I decided, you know, what, I want to be at the high school level. I wanted to be a positive role model for the kids coming up. And uh, my high school coach uh, in particular, Bobby Williams, he was a huge impact to me. He was a father figure. And I just wanted to be that that individual for young men and women coming up through the sport. So, uh uh, you know, I, I always thought it was going to be down the road, but uh, down the road came a lot sooner than I expected and uh, started three years ago. Now I'm going into my second season as head wrestling coach. And so uh, it's different than what I expected in a lot of ways. You know, I, I, I know the wrestling technique side of things, but I'm still learning the, the back end, you know, how, how to run it, the administration side. And uh, I'm getting used to it, but I'm laying the building blocks. So it's a lot of fun. Well, and in addition to being, you know, a Hall of Famer, uh, multi-time All-American, also an author, and it's a book that's been out for a while now, released in 2011, 2012, Unstoppable is the name of the book, and uh, there were several pieces in that book that, that really struck me, but the poem, and, and you can elaborate on this, but this one, this is one I'm going to definitely save for, for my files, just so you know. But this is just an excerpt from it. My spirit is unconquerable. I don't care what's probable. Through blood, sweat, and tears, I am unstoppable. And just such a short but so incredibly powerful line there, Anthony. And it, and it really does exemplify not only your whole life, but your mother's, your family. Just if you can, kind of share with us the the inspiration of that and how those words were finally put to paper and and how powerful they will become for you and so many others who who read it. Well, first I just got to give a shout out to my good friend Dan Clark. You know, he's a, one of my my speaking coach, and he actually wrote the poem for me, uh, and so he was the one that put it on the paper. But uh, you know, that theme of unstoppable it's it's always been with me. You know, it's been with me from day one when I was born because. Uh, you know, I was born missing my leg and the doctors pretty much immediately gave my mom a list of things that I wouldn't be able to do in my life. I mean, they uh, they literally told her that um, she'd need to look to hire someone to take care of me uh, pretty much full time. Uh, and, and so, you know, right out the gate, they had this low bar, this low expectations. And my mom chose to not think that way, thankfully. You know, she chose to, you know, 
allow me to define what I was capable of and also just to raise me in a way to where I never let my challenges become an ex- became an excuse. You know, so my missing leg, it never became an excuse for me. She never allowed me to say, I can't do it because of this or that. She would just say, you know what? You got to do it differently. Figure out a different way to accomplish your goal. And so that's where the unstoppable mentality came from. You know, just never saying I can't, just pushing forward and finding a way to get done. Yeah, there's no doubt about uh, you talking about your mother, Judy, had you at the age of 16 um, and certainly, you know, a a lot to digest for both her and your grandparents, her parents at the time. (laughs) But it, it really felt like that like unwavering spirit and fire that she had is exactly what we have seen in you now all these 33, 34 years. And and just if you can talk about your mom and, and that, you know, relentless spirit that she had uh, that really kind of helped lay the foundation for, for who you are today. Yeah, I'm, I'm just so blessed to have an amazing mother, you know, because like I mentioned, you know, she she taught me to raise the bar high. And, and growing up, there were plenty of times when I doubted myself, especially as I started to get into school, you know, kids and, and, and my teachers would look at me a different way and they treat me a different way. And so uh, I, I struggled with that for the longest time. But coming back home, I think to myself, OK, you know, if mom believes in me, then everything's going to be okay. You know, if she doesn't think Missing the Lake can hold me back, then it really can't hold me back. So, you know, because she believed in me when I couldn't and when I didn't, I started to kind of gravitate to that and I started to kind of fuel myself off of off of her. Um, and so to have her there every step of the way to be my number one fan, to cheer me on uh, and, you know, at the same time, uh, allow me to experience that pain and failure at times, uh, that's what made me who I am today. You know, because uh, one of the phrases I love, my one of my coaches used to say, he said, if you are unchallenged, then you are unchanged. And so, you know, growing up, my mom, she allowed me to uh, face the challenges. You know, she didn't just rush in right away and say, oh, you know, poor kid, he can't do it and, and shelter me. She's okay. You know, what? this is how it's going to be. Figure it out. And that, that uh, correlated to me getting into that wrestling mat, you know, under, under, under the wrestling mat and saying, okay, you know, I got to figure it out. No one's going to go out there and save me uh, when I'm getting my butt kicked. You know, <laughs> I need to get this done. I need to come up with a strategy. I need to work myself out of this situation. Uh, and so I think it just aligned perfectly with how my mom raised me and, and what she taught me. So, right, yeah. I, I, one of the one of the great uh, parts of the book that that I got a chuckle out of was with the prosthetic and that whole process because the the Shriners had been able to create a situation uh, to where you and your and your family were eligible to to have this prosthetic, and it became more of a liability almost than it than it became an aid for you and if you can just you know share share some of the the, the stories about that I know I know your mom was adamant for a while about you wearing brissetic and trying to make it work <laughs> and you sneaking off and, and taking that thing off because it became easier for you to to work and you know do everyday routines without the prosthetic which I'm sure some people have a hard time grasping yeah, you know, growing up, I, I I didn't really realize it, but I'm very fortunate looking back now that, you know, Shriner stepped up to give me that prosthetic leg because they're extremely expensive and they're difficult to obtain sometimes. And so yeah, I had this this prosthetic, but back then the technology isn't nearly what it is today. And so I just remember because I'm missing my, my leg above the knee, I'm all the way up to my hip. It's a rarer form. It's a tougher form to fit a prosthetic. I remember the prosthetic itself just being a, like a big, heavy piece of wood. 
you know, I had to swing it around and it would pinch me when I was walking on it. And uh, growing up with uh, you know little brothers and a sister and had cousins running around all the time, I, I just wanted to move around just like them. I wanted to move around quickly, running around all over the house, around the neighborhood. And uh, I felt like the prosthetic, believe it or not, it anchored me down and it made me really, I felt like it exposed me more from being different, for, for being different. You know, so my mom, she'd fight me for a little bit, but uh, I just remember every chance I got when she wasn't looking, I would take it off and I'd hide it somewhere, like around the house, in the closet, in the bathroom, uh, in the bathtub, something. And she's like, where's your leg at? What'd you do with it? I'm like, I, I forgot, mom. I don't know where, I don't know where it is. <laughs> um, but, you know, after a bit, she, uh, again, you know, she was always one to let me figure things out. And I think when she, she realized that the prosthetic leg wasn't going to be my answer for myself. She said, okay, what, what's your answer going to be? You you decide. And so I decided on the crutches because it helped me to grow around quickly. And uh, big picture, it actually helped me out because it felt feels like I'm lifting 24-7, you know, moving around on those all the time. Right. Uh, but uh, it just gave me a sense of freedom in a way, you know. And I think also uh, it, uh, it forced me to step outside of my comfort zone as I grew up because uh, for me, a prosthetic leg, I can kind of blend in a little bit more, right, wearing pants and stuff like that. But right. crutches – everyone's going to see what I was lacking, what I was different, you know, that my difference. So uh, I think it forced me to uh, get comfortable with that. Yeah, it was interesting. And again, in in reading the book, you know, it struck me that your mom was, and you may have even referred to her as this, but she was almost like this lioness who had this, this kind of primal uh, spirit and primal instinct that she gave to you, um, just through her own actions and her words. And one of the things that occurred to me in in reading the book is that rather than a disability, it's almost as if your mother gave you this ability to to see things uniquely and in a way that that other people really couldn't, right? Uh, Absolutely. You know, and my mentality, I tell people, I I see a challenge or I see an opportunity like a puzzle. You know, it's never like, it's never that I can't do it. It's never that, oh, you know, my missing legs in a whole mess. Okay. You know, what can I do to make this a reality? What, what can I do to accomplish my goal? What do I need to change here? And um, I mean, it came from my mom. I remember when I was about 10 years old, uh, she got me a bike for my birthday. <laughs> and, you know, it's a typical person, like how's a kid with one leg going to ride a bike, right? Uh, but my mom, she got me the bike and, and we figured it out together. You know, I remember her taking him out the next morning. We're kind of learning in the grass and you know, she, we got this little foot peg so I can slide my foot into so I can move around. And uh, that was always her thing. You know, let's figure it out. Let's let's find a way to get this done. Uh, and so that's my mentality now. And, and being a father, uh, I have an eight month old baby boy. So blessed. But uh, that's the mentality I'm going to try to teach to him. You know, it's never that you can't do it. It's never that you focus on why you can't do it. You say, how can I get this done? What are my strengths? What are the things at my disposal uh, that I can use to to beat my opponent? Right. Yeah. The other thing that, again, might my, my surprise people is that there wasn't there wasn't a sport that you didn't compete in. And, and I kind of <laughs> laugh because I know you grew up originally around, you know, Northern California, the Bay Area, huge Raiders fan. I know you <laughs> give a shout out to, to to all the Raiders folks out there. But, you know, seven-year-old Anthony wanted to play for, for the Raiders, right? <laughs> uh, absolutely. Huge Raiders fan. I still am. Actually, I got a, my first tattoo is a Raiders tattoo on my shoulder <laughs> there. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I played all different kinds of sports growing up. Really gravitated towards football. Um, I played flag football, sixth and seventh grade, just hopped around the field. Um, ninth grade, I played tackle football as a defensive lineman. Um, but, uh, you know, as a ninth grader, my, my challenge, it wasn't just uh, hopping around. I You know, I may do with it, but... 
I, I realized that at 14 years old playing defensive lineman, I was about 90 pounds. So I was a little bit too small for <laughs> those guys that were, were growing bigger and stronger. A little stronger on the me. back end there as a defensive lineman, Anthony. <laughs> yeah, so, so a little guy over there, but uh, I loved it. You know, it was just, uh, again, I just, I thank my mom for, for supporting me and, and for believing in me and not sheltering me, you know, just, just letting me go out there and, and, and be a normal kid and, and just figure it out and, and uh, really kind of find and define what I was truly capable of. You know, no one, no one could teach me that. It wasn't like I could go on the internet and Google or YouTube one-legged athletes. And then all, you know, this list of stuff came up. There was no one really out there that I could look to as a role model that was in my condition, you know? And right. so uh, it was just my mom. She was my role model saying, yeah, go for it. Yeah, try it. You know, and I'm just, uh, I'm very grateful for, for doing that for me. Yeah, so when it became clear that, that football was not the destiny, your cousin Jesse, if I'm not mistaken, uh, wrestled at South Point High. So that was your first introduction in, into wrestling. Take <laughs> us through that experience as you sat there in the stands watching him and, and watching this sport that, that you knew probably very little about, right? Yeah, you know, so I grew up in, in California up until I was 14. And then my family, we moved to Arizona. I would always talk to my cousin on the phone here and there. And he'd always tell me, he's like, hey, you should try wrestling. I know you like football, but I think wrestling would be good for you. And I always kind of turned it down. But uh, when we moved to Arizona right before my freshman year started, I spent a lot of time with my cousin. And so uh, I remember him convincing me one day to go to practice. He's like, hey, he's like, you know, we've got wrestling practice today. You can come. We have a weight room. You can just lift weights while we're doing our wrestling. And it's, it's literally like right there. So I could see the guys training and drilling. So I went with them and, you know, they're practicing their throws and everything. And I just remember looking and like, oh, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. That's neat. You know, all the things they're doing technique wise. And uh, his coach comes over to me. He's like, hey, our, our lightweight, our 103 pounder needs someone to wrestle with. He's like, how much do you weigh? I was like, I'm, I'm 90 pounds, coach. He's like, he's like, you'd be perfect. Do you want to train with them today? And I turned him down. I was like, no, I'm, I'm okay, coach. I'm going to keep lifting. You know, I'm trying right. to get strong for wrestling. And uh, he takes off. He's like, okay, leaves me alone. My cousin comes back. He's like, dude, just try it one time. He's like, just go out there for one little 30-second uh, go. He's like, if you don't like it, I'll never bring it up again. And so I just remember literally going out on the mat just to get my cousin off my back, you know, to get him to stop <laughs> bugging me about it. And, uh, man, I got thrown around that room. In that 30 seconds, I got my butt kicked. Uh, <laughs> My heart was pounding afterwards. I'm like bloody. and But I just remember I had the biggest smile on my face after that butt kicking uh, because I felt like I found the calling. You know, I felt like I had found that thing that I was searching for my entire life, uh, which was, you know, my purpose in life. You know, why was I born missing my leg? I always ask my mom that, mom that question. You know, why am I different than everybody else? And she'd always tell me, you were born that way for a reason. You just got to wait and see what it is. You know, and, and it was always me battling against people outside of my family because like I said, they were focused on what I couldn't do. You know, they were right. focused on what I was missing. And wrestling allowed me to use this platform to say it didn't matter. Right. It was me against my opponent. One leg wasn't gonna hold me back. Uh, and I love that about the sport, that one on one aspect of it. And I was hooked. Yeah, those those early experiences, like you say, um, you know, give you give you something to kind of look back and and laugh on now. But <laughs> opening opening the door and then really opening your mind and, and your heart to to recognizing this is something that not only can I be good at, but that really channels all of my focus and energies in, in the right direction, right? Absolutely. You know, and, and 
I like they said all of the energies, you know, because I, I tell uh, my high school kids now, sometimes you got to use the negativity as motivation as well. You got to channel that energy, you know, the self-doubt, the doubt of other people, you know, the losses. You got to channel that. You got to use it in a way that's going to motivate you and push you forward. Uh, and so, uh, you know, going through, you know, I was excited about the sport and I, I believed I could be successful. But uh, the success, it took a long time to get there. Um, right. You know, I it, uh, it was a lot of work. I only won like two or three times our first season. And. Um, you know, I actually finished last place in the Mesa City tournament my first year. So it, it took a bit, but, you know, I always believed uh, that light at the end of the tunnel was there. I just need to, to be uh, consistent, you know, and, and have that faith. So, Right. Well, and it goes back to, again, what, what your, the, the attitude and mentality that your mother had instilled in you really became, you know, mind over matter, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, and, and uh, you know, going back after every match, one of the things that I would do with my coach and, you know, he just did a great job of just really reinforcing the lessons that my mom taught me in my life. He did the same thing in the wrestling room on the wrestling mat. You know, I, I'd, I'd lose. I'd be frustrated. He's like, OK, let's sit down. He's like, let's write out what what's one thing you did well. Right? OK, well, what, what's one area we need to improve on? We need to he, he used to say we need to focus on your strengths and camouflage your weaknesses. He said we need to find what your strengths are on the wrestling mat and build a style around that. Uh, and so uh, that was kind of my mentality moving forward, trying to be positive, but also every loss I would walk away with with data, you know, with with, with things that I could do um, to improve my wrestling. And so uh, I, I'm I'm a person that uh, I think I hate losing more than I love to win. And so, uh, you know, those losses that first year, uh, it was very motivating for me, you know, I, I and, and even going through college and everything else, I would make sure to learn everything that I could from every loss that I had so that I would never be in that moment again. I would never experience that again. So, Yeah, you mentioned that, and it, and it does really, as you look across all walks of life, all sports especially, uh, that really does seem to be such a, a common trait when you hear about the top athletes as they say they hate to lose more than they – and they like to win because it just the, the kind of fuel that it fills your soul and, and heart with. Right. <laughs> yeah, a- absolutely. You know, and I, one thing I, I remember, uh, it was Drew Brees. I read from his book. He said, you know, when you're winning, it's kind of a repetitive thing. You know, you kind of hit cruise control. You just kind of, you, you have a tendency to relax and you lose that hunger. But when, when you lose, it's like, you're forced to reevaluate, you know, you're forced to kind of have to go back to the drawing board, kind of rebuild, change things up. That takes time and effort. You know, and it's it's not fun a lot of the times, but that's what gets you to that that next level. And I think, uh, you know, if you look, we look back at some of the greatest athletes in history, they have that same mentality. Like they hate to lose, and they're going to do something about it so that it doesn't happen again. You know, or it doesn't happen in that way again. You're always kind of patching the holes as you're going through. Um, and I tell my athletes now, it's it's not about perfection. You know, it's just about just improving. It's about being better than you were yesterday. And that applies to life as well, not just in athletics. You know, just be right. better than you were yesterday. Just just continue to grow. We're a constant work in progress. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, as I read the book, you know, I, I couldn't help but kind of laugh because early on in your wrestling career, folks looked at you, uh, fellow wrestlers, fellow coaches, parents especially, and they saw you hop out on the mat with one leg and there was a sense of pity for you. They, they felt sorry for you. But then as you began to grow, get stronger and excel, then they turned that and <laughs> used the same phrase in different contexts, saying that you had an advantage only because you had one leg. If you can 
share with us just, you know, your feelings at that time. So, you know, I probably 14, 15 years old, you're hearing one message. And then a couple of years later, as you begin to start really kind of dominating the sport, you're hearing something else. You know, as, as a 15, 16 year old, you're already dealing with so many things in your life. How did you process that? How did your mom, your family and, and those people close to you help kind of push you through that? Yeah, you know, I remember it was it was a weird change, you know, because I was always fighting the doubt of other people. It was like an uphill battle. And uh, I remember the change happened after my first high school state title. It was after my junior season. And, you know, they had this wrestling website forum that, you know, everyone go on wrestling fans to talk about the local high school wrestling. Right. So I remember going on there, you know, after I won my state title, like so excited, right? Like, like I did real that season. I was undefeated. Like, oh, you know, they're going to be talking so many good things about me. Right. And uh, I log on there and it's like Anthony Robles advantage question mark. I'm like, what are, what are they talking about? You know, and then the debate sparked. And I just remember being so angry when I saw that because I felt like, you know, they were taken away from all the hard work that I put in, you know, I mean, I'm training six days a week through the summertime, even on Sundays, I'm, I'm running, you know, I'm getting a jogging after church and after the Raider games, you know, and I felt like they were just taken away from that. They're like, you know, acting like this came easy for me when it really didn't. And, um, you know, I remember just talking to my coach about it and he's like, well, you know what? He's like, you know, you're getting somewhere when, when the haters start coming out on you. He's like, you know, it doesn't matter who you are or what you do. It doesn't matter how good you are at what you do. There's going to be negative people out there. He's like, you got to choose, you know, are you going to allow them to take your energy and your focus away? And, uh, you know, it made sense to me. And, and honestly, the more I thought about it and how they were approaching me that way, um, I kind of liked it because I felt like, you know, I hated being the kid that they felt sorry for, number one. And so now I felt like all my hard work was paying off in the way that where I was dominating in such a fashion that they were trying to pull away. They're saying it's, it's not fair for other people. So I was no longer getting their pity anymore. And I was like, you know what? I, I'm okay with that. You know, I'm right. okay with, with just dominating my competition and, and continuing to climb to the top of that podium. I'll let them say whatever they want to, uh, you know, over there. Cause it's just going to keep fueling me um, to pursue my ultimate goals, my ultimate dreams. You know, in, in many ways, at that time, Anthony, you were you were wrestling multiple things. You were wrestling physically on the mat against your opponents, but also wrestling with with struggles at home. I know it wasn't easy at, at home, and it's a lot for a young man to you know to try and work through. How, how did you manage that? And again, and I know going back to your relationship with your mother and just what a with a, a foundational piece she was. But just talk about that period of time with your family, your siblings, your mom, and how you all were able to navigate that. Yeah, you know, it was definitely a, a tough phase of my life. And I was blessed with an amazing mom and uh, my siblings. I love them so much. You know, three brothers and one sister. Uh, I've never met my biological father. My, my stepfather came into the picture when I was pretty young, uh, two or three years old. He's, he's the, the, you know, the biological father of my siblings. Um, but I just remember that that relationship there was it was very unhealthy. You know, he was very uh, just not a great person to be around, not a great role model. So there was a lot of tension in the household when he was around. Um, and so there were times where I, I, you know, him and I in particular, we 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 butted heads quite a bit. You know, so wrestling 
was kind of my outlet in a lot of ways. You know, I, I would I would hang around the restroom because I didn't want to go home and be around him. You know, I had my high school coach, my my high school teammate Chris would drive me around to you know, go to local practices, local clubs together just to get extra time in on the mat. And that was my way of just kind of avoiding him. Um, and there were times where, you know, growing up, he was basically in and out. Like he, I'd come home from school and my mom would say he's he's gone, you know, and he'd take off for weeks, months at a time, and then sometimes show up again, sometimes he wouldn't. And uh, that was hard. You know, it was just uh, never having that consistent, positive father figure role model in, in our lives was very difficult. But I think in a lot of ways, uh, it really helped that bond and that relationship with my mom and my siblings to grow stronger. You know, we, we leaned on each other during the stressful times, during the times where we didn't know how we were going to make it through. And, um, you know, it, it was it was difficult. You know, that's something I definitely wrestle with mentally um, off the mat. And but, you know, going through it, um, you know, I just remember thinking to myself, you know what, when I have my own family, when I'm a dad, you know, I know the things that I'm not going to do. You know, and right. I think uh, just back to what I learned in wrestling, you learn from your challenges. You know, you don't make excuses for it. You say, okay, how, how, how is this going to make me better? Uh, and uh, I was just blessed, you know, to have a mom who became my, my mom and my dad in those situations, you know, who stepped up. And uh, looking back, it's, it's something we went through. Um, but I think that's what makes my story more relatable um, is the challenges. You know, right. it's the struggles. It's not the all the positive things and the good things, those are great. But if, you know, the move, if the book and the movie were all about the great things and nothing ever bad happened, it's like, that's not really a true story. You know, people relate to the pain and the struggles and, and the challenges. And that was something that I went through, but it's, uh, it's made me stronger, I believe. Yeah. You, you mentioned two individuals that were central figures in the book. Uh, and you noted them uh, just a few moments ago, but, but Bob Williams, obviously a, a legend, among the high school wrestling coaches, uh, just in the wrestling industry um, mm-hmm. and Arizona, especially, you talked about him being a father figure and and your friend Chris. Just if you can share some some of your your fondest memories, uh, I, I know that was was reading the one thing where you're out pushing your car in a hundred degree mm-hmm. heat in the in the Jackrabbit parking lot, but just <laughs> the the role that that Bob Williams played both as coach to get the best out of you as the athlete and the impact that he made on Anthony, Anthony Robles, the, the person, the, the, the guy that we see here today. Yeah. Uh, well, Coach Williams, he's been an amazing individual in my life. Yeah, I mean, he still impacts me now to this day. Uh, he's actually uh, my, my assistant wrestling coach at, at Mesa High now. He semi-retired, so he's helping me out with the program to run it still. And But, you know, going through um, – uh, in high school, I mean, he was just somebody that I would talk to all the time. You know, he'd give me little pieces of advice. He was a calming um, uh, figure in my life. Never was one to yell on, you know, and you, you see a lot of uh, um, coaches are yelling and screaming on the sidelines. He was just very, right. just, just mellow, very chill. And that helped me to relax when I was out there on the mat. I could slow things down. Looking at him helped me to stay calm. Uh, and so just to have that, have that calming, soothing voice, have, he was always giving me advice and uh, you know, my mom communicated with him constantly. Her biggest thing for me was academics. You know, she wanted me to go to college. And so um, Coach Williams, he was OK with me missing practice here and there so that I could get extra tutoring help for certain classes, you know, so that I could stay on the honor roll to make sure that I could go to college. And, um, you know, one of the things he did for me, my best memory of Coach Williams, uh, when I was a senior, uh, I was a two time high school state champion. You know, I was undefeated honor roll student, but I was not getting the Division One wrestling scholarship offers. Nothing was coming right. through. And so sitting down with Coach Williams, he's like, well, you know, 
you've had great success in Arizona, but we got to get you on the national stage. We got to get you wrestling that national competition. Uh, back then, it was the NHSCAA National Wrestling Tournament, and that was the only national tournament in, in, pretty much in the, in the country. Uh, you had to be invited to go. You had to place first or second in your state to be invited. I got an invitation, but that year it was in uh, Pennsylvania. It was in Pittsburgh. And so coach like, you know, you got to go to this national tournament. You do well there. You'll get the scholarship. So I was like, well, coach, it's Pittsburgh. I, I can't afford to go there. You know, my, my, my family cannot afford that. He's like, don't worry about it. Uh, we have a wrestling club fund that's going to pay for everything. He says, all you got to worry about is training, going out there, doing well. He said, winning it. You win it. He's like, we're, we're, we're straight. And so, you know, I go out there, right? They, they take care of everything. I win this title and, you know, doors open up for me. But I didn't learn until working on my book years later, like 2012, 2013. That wrestling fund, it never existed. Like there was no such thing. Pretty much Coach Williams took out his credit card. He paid for my flight, my entry fee, my food, hotel, wow. just covered everything so that I could go to this tournament. Uh, and, you know, really going to that tournament, it, it set my life up to where I am today. And, you know, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now. You know, if I can open up one door for, for my athletes like he did for me, that's what makes it worth it. And so Coach Williams, even going through college, I'd still come back to him. You know, right. I'd I, 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 I get frustrated in the wrestling room. I'd come back to Mesa High. That was always home. That was always, we called it to my sanctuary, you know, my place right. of peace. So uh, I, Coach Williams, very grateful. And then Chris, man, uh, Chris was somebody, he was a, uh, great wrestler, but even better friend. You know, he showed me to uh, give anything less than your best. Um, that's unacceptable. You know, he pushed me. He was the one that came up with uh, that workout of pushing the cars over the speed bumps in, in the, our parking lot. Um, I used to call them torture workouts, you know, but uh, that was his thing. Just push yourself to the very end to where you think you can't go anymore. You're a breaking point, And then just go one step further each time. Uh, and he'd, he'd come up with little things like that just to, to really challenge us. And like one of them, um, you know, we, we'd put little pieces of tape on the wrestling wall and, and each person had 10 pieces in order for you to be done for the day. You had to get 10 takedowns on the other person and take their tape. Little things like that. It's just mentally, it, uh, it got me to a whole other level of mental toughness. Uh, and he was also a big brother to me, you know? So, uh, I tell people all the time, no one can do it alone. You know, sometimes you got to lean on others for help and you got to be willing to ask for right. help at certain times. So grateful for those guys. Yeah, you you mentioned the the sanctuary, uh, and I've heard a number of of wrestlers, you know, call the wrestling room that, you know, as as a as a former, I guess, competitive wrestler, because you're still a wrestler. Let's face it. Um, but how important, and maybe this is part of your your motivational speaking, and certainly to your athletes today. But how important is it for for people just in general? to find and have their own sanctuary, a place to kind of, you know, a cocoon, if you will, where you can go think, uh, be in, in kind of a safe place, but also maybe have somebody like a, a Chris or a Coach Williams there to to push you uh, when needed. I think it's essential. You know, everyone needs that time to kind of recharge, to refocus allow themselves to kind of take a breath and allow things to slow down for a second, you know, and um, our coach used to tell us, you know, when you step into the restroom, you drop your problems at the door, everything that's going on in your life in the classroom, everything, it stops right here. You come in here, you just focus on this, you know, focus on this one area. Uh, I think as human beings, we, we need that, you know, life is moving so fast. There's so many different elements to it. Uh, you need that time just to kind of let yourself breathe, you know, and, and um, especially to have those people 
to support you. Like I had Williams and, and Chris, you need those people that you can plug into for positivity, you know, for, for reinforcement to help you mentally uh, to feed yourself, you know, just to, to come back and be able to fight another round, you know, and, and uh, uh, it goes back to what I said earlier. It's like, no one can do it alone. You know, no one, no one is a machine. And, and that word unstoppable doesn't mean that you just keep grinding without, you know, without giving up sometimes or without wanting to give up. It means you keep pushing, right. take a second, push a little further, take a second, keep grinding. So um, it's essential to have those times to, to just recharge. Yeah. And those individuals not always giving you the answer that you want to hear, but the, the, the response that you need to hear. A hundred percent. Yeah. The, and for wrestling, you know, my, my coaches were never like, oh, you're great. There's nothing you need to change. You know, I was like, hey, OK, you did well here. But, you know, this is the feedback. This is where you need to improve. This is what you need to change. But uh, you, that's how you grow. You know, that's how you, you, you get better. That's how you elevate yourself to the next level. And uh, I think a part of that just it means you got to lose the ego. You know, you have to be willing to to be coachable in all facets of facets of your life. You know, be willing to take that that uh, uh, feedback from other people and just apply it where, where need be. Uh, otherwise, you're just going to be stuck in the same same spot over and over. You know, my coach, they had the sideline shot. You know, they were sitting in the chair. They could see things that I couldn't see during the match or they could right. sense things. They could hear things from the other coaching staff that I wasn't hearing. So I needed to trust their expertise uh, that, you know, we're all on the same page. Right. We all want the same thing. And so surround yourself with those people that want you to be successful and then be willing to listen to what they say and, 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 and you know, take their feedback for what it is helping you to get better. So here you were wrestling at a school eight, nine miles away from the university that was tugging at your heart for, for a variety of reasons. Um, I know you'd said, you know, Iowa, Oklahoma State, you know, wrestling powerhouses. Mm -hmm. you, you hadn't gotten any major attention. Drexel came calling, but the, the tug of the Sun Devils was was always there. Just talk about the decision to go to ASU and... Mm -hmm. You know, again, you make a choice to go someplace that didn't necessarily have the door open for you. You you kind of had to kick it in yourself. Yeah, you know, I remember always being a huge fan of Arizona State wrestling as well. Um, you know that they would wrestle on Sundays. So after you know my my high school, when I was in high school, I'd, I'd go check them out. I watch their dual meets, and I remember guys like Brian Stith and Eric Larkin competing. I'm like, yeah, that'd be really cool to you know wrestle on those teams, you know, someday. And uh, but you know they weren't really offering much me much any either. You know I wasn't getting a scholarship from them. Um, but you know what ultimately drew me to Arizona State was it was here at home, and you know I just remember. I took the trip to Drexel and they were amazing, you know, a great, great coaching staff, awesome team. They actually offered me a scholarship, but I just remember sitting in their wrestling room just feeling like, you know, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. You know, that this isn't, this isn't home. This doesn't feel like my sanctuary. Um, and I needed, I needed that family support, to be honest right. with you. You know, I needed to be around my mom. I needed to be around my siblings to draw from, from their strength. Uh, and so Arizona State, um, it was an opportunity, you know, they, they welcomed me onto the team. They helped me to get a partial academic scholarship to cover, you know, some books and tuition. And, you know, for my first two years, I had to have a, a night job at the airport. I was washing and waxing airplanes, um, until I could earn uh, a wrestling scholarship. I had to earn the starting spot. Um, but, uh, you know, ultimately for me, that was the price that I had to pay and it was worth it, you know? And, and I think that sometimes, you know, in life, you're not always going to get the opportunities that you want. You know, but you still got to make the most of the opportunities. You still got to give it 100 percent. And who knows what other doors are going to open because of that. Uh, and so, you know, I was excited to get to ASU. I was excited to, to prove myself. And, 
I also had a chip on my shoulder. You know, I felt like I, 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 I had a lot to prove, you know, even though I proved a lot in high school, it's like still they weren't believing in me. So I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to let that feel me even more. You know, I'm, I'm going to grind in those days when I wanted to give up and I wanted to quit. I would think to myself, you know, if I quit now, if I give up, if I fall short, I'm proving people right. You know, the doubters, I, I, I'm proving them right. I'm reinforcing their thoughts. And so uh, you got to use that negativity as motivation sometimes. So, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm so happy. You know, I stuck around at Arizona State. My, my lifelong friends are come from ASU, from wrestling. Uh, I met my wife through some wrestling connections there. Uh, it's, uh, it's my life now. You know, I'm, I'm a proud Sun Devil through and through. So. Yeah, but even even with the even as you began to you know great to great success there at ASU, the program went through some rocky times and for a short period was dissolved and you found yourself basically without a, a wrestling home without a school uh, mm-hmm. until some folks stepped up and just if you can elaborate about that period in your life and probably had to feel like you know. How many curveballs does one guy have to take in his life? I'll I'll never forget that. You know, I remember my freshman year, I was starting, uh, made it to the national tournament. I was one match made from becoming an All-American, which is top eight in the country. You know, so that summer comes up. I remember I'm I'm on a, I'm on an airplane wing. I'm washing this airplane and my phone was ringing. And so like I pull my phone out, I answer it. And it's a, it's actually a reporter. And it's like, Hey, Anthony, I just wanted to get your thoughts on Arizona state dropping the wrestling program. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, where is this coming from? I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I hung up. I called uh, Brian Stith, who was the assistant coach at ASU. I called him right away. I was like, coach, what is going on? I got this reporter. He's like, he's like, yeah. He's like, it's it's true. Unfortunately, we we have a meeting uh, later today at the ICA. If you want to show up, we'll get more information. And you know, and I went and they dropped. I found out they dropped wrestling along with a couple other the men's sports, and it felt like my world was just turned upside down. You know, it was like, like, what just happened here? And I remember calling my mom, just crying and feeling very lost. But um, for me, it actually ended up being something that was actually good for me in the long term. Because, uh, you know, when they dropped the program, they announced to all the athletes, the wrestlers is, hey, you know, we'll honor your scholarships if you're on them. But if you want to transfer out, you're free to do so without any penalties. You can go right now. Right. And so pretty much later that night when the news broke and everyone heard about what happened to ASU, there were colleges now, D1 colleges calling me up saying, hey, we got a scholarship for you. Here's a full ride waiting for you. Let's you know, set up a trip for you to come out. So I, I went from you know high school not being recruited at all to all of a sudden I'm, I'm a hot commodity and they, they oh, want me. You know? so, yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be okay. You know? So I started figuring out where I wanted to go. I, I narrowed down my list and then I get a phone call one day. And it was from my head coach at the time, Tom Ortiz. He's like, hey, you know, we had some individuals step up to self-endow the program. We want you to stick around. You know, we, we need you to kind of help build this program back. And, uh, you know, it was a I had to take some time to really think about it. You know, if I wanted to stay or not, I was kind of a bitter with the situation, to be honest with you. You know, with what happened there. Yeah, right. But- yeah. Because it, it had to feel like, you know, you'd poured your, your heart and soul into this and then to have the rug pulled out from under your feet. And at the same time. You know, you you're being told that the program is going to get funded, but I got to mm-hmm. believe it. At that point in your life, you had to feel a little uh, uncertain and uneasy. Like, you know, am I going to look up nine months from now and have mm-hmm. the same situation unfold? 
That was exactly it. You know, I was questioning the stability of the program and, you know, how long are they going to keep us around? You know, we we did lose a couple guys that ended up transferring out that were some of our, our, our higher recruits. You know, so like, what is the team going to look like? How is it going to uh, look for high school recruits who are interested to come into ASU? What are they going to think now? Are they going to, you know, honor their commitment to come here? Are they going to go somewhere else? It's like, you know, all these different things uh, were kind of coming into my mind. And um, it was a tough situation, you know, but, you know, for me, when I kind of took a step back from it, I, I talked with my mom about it. And, you know, I just remember thinking, like, you know, I, I made a commitment to Arizona State, you know, to wrestling. Uh, right. And, yeah, it was going to be an uphill battle, but I wanted to be part of that uphill battle. You know, now they needed me to step up and be one of the faces of this program to show them, you know, Arizona State is here and we're here to stay, you know, and, and help rebuild it from pretty much from the ground up again. Um, and there were a lot of doubters who didn't think we could achieve that. You know, they didn't think we'd be around for a while. And I think that kind of played right back into my life story, you know, and I was like, okay, you know, I've, I've been here before. I want to be a part of this rebuilding process uh, and help Arizona State, um, you know, get back on the map and get to a whole nother level. So, yeah, who who knew it would become another chapter <laughs> for uh, for an incredible book, for sure. Just talk about some of those those lifelong experiences from uh, your, your time at ASU. Uh, as you mentioned, you're not only wrestling some of the top athletes across the country, but, you know, you were facing challenges internally at the program. Uh, a couple of individuals, one guy in particular who was kind of gunning for your position and how that, you know, kind of carved out another unique part of your life that I'm sure – you know, that, that you as a head coach now can use those experiences to share with your own athletes. Absolutely. You know, that, believe it or not, that's something I was sharing with, with my team last week. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I stuck around Arizona State. They gave me a four-eyed wrestling scholarship. And, um, you know, after that, the next season was my sophomore year. Uh, Tom Ortiz, who was the head coach, he was let go. Um, you know, they brought in a new head coach in Sean Charles. And um, there was also a transfer. His name was Ben Ashmore, who came in from Oklahoma State. Um, coming out of high school, I believe he was a number one nationally ranked 119 pounder in his weight class. He was, you know, one of the top recruits in the country. Uh, so he, he was good. You know, he, he, uh, he was tough and he was coming in, he transferred in with the intention of taking my spot at 125. Uh, and so, you know, having a new coach, you know, it, it was, it was, it was a challenge, you know, it was a different coaching style, a different relationship there that we had to build all over again. And then having someone come in who was going to take my spot, who wanted to, uh, after this whole thing went down to where I could have transferred anywhere I wanted to. I stayed out of loyalty. And now it's like, you know, man, I have to, you're telling me I have to compete all over again for a starting spot. Yeah, like not being rewarded for sticking around. <laughs> it, it, exactly. You know, I, I kind of, I struggle with questioning the loyalty of, of the wrestling program um, during that time in my life. Like, you know, I gave up to help you guys and you know, this is how you were paying me with risking my spot, risking my, my dream of being a national champ. But um, you know, going through it, it ended up being really good for me. Um, you know, we had to, to, we had to wrestle off a couple different times and, you know, he had a style that was very unique. It was different than my style. He was very defensive, very, he slowed his, his opponents down, you know, whereas me, I'm, I'm very uh, high octane offense. I like to score a lot of points. So that right. clash, you know, it forced me to really evolve my wrestling game and my style to where I could be comfortable with tight matches, you know, I, where I could win close with, with low speed, scoring points and, and, uh, not mis make mistakes. Right. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I tell my, my kids all the times, like, you know, 
the challenges you face in this wrestling room, the challenges you face from your opponents, uh, if you allow it to, it could make you better. It can make you a whole different wrestler, a whole different uh, level. Uh, and Ashmore, he did that for me. I didn't enjoy it going through it, you know, <laughs> but uh, I mean, the the national finals match itself, um, you know, the position that he was the best at in the wrestling room, it ended up helping me in that finals match. You know, I could maneuver through because I had trained with him and I experienced it and uh, it helped me to score some points. So. Uh, it definitely made me a better wrestler, but, uh, um, you know, sometimes you got to go through those uncomfortable situations in order to grow. And, uh, you know, that helped me to grow quite a bit. Three-time All-American, multi-time champion, um, and who knew... You know, all these years later, that uh, little seven-year-old Anthony, who wanted to become an Oakland Raider, would then one day be standing on a stage out in Los Angeles holding the Jimmy V Award. <laughs> can can you take us back to that moment and how you tried to absorb all of that? I mean, I'm, I'm sure in, in some respects it had to be the proverbial life kind of flashing before your eyes to think, you know, there you were in Northern California, a young boy learning to, to navigate the challenges that you had on a daily basis. And here you were standing in front of thousands, millions watching. It was a absolutely surreal experience for me to be on that stage, you know, because I remember I'm looking at some of the world's greatest athletes, people I admired and watched on TV. I'm, I'm Serena Williams and LeBron James, Aaron Rodgers, they're all there they're looking at me. And, you know, Jay Leno's the one presenting me with the, the Jimmy V Award. And, you know, I remember just being backstage, just looking and then walking out there. It's like, how did I get here? You know, and there was one moment that in particular that I remember just thinking back on really quickly in my head. You know, after I won my, or excuse me, after I lost my, my, my freshman year of high school, I finished last place in the city tournament. That night, I was just sitting on my bed, just crying, you know, and, and I, I came to a point where I was at the crossroads where I was going to quit wrestling or, or continue with it. And I decided to stick with it. But I just remember thinking like, man, like, I'm so glad I didn't quit. You know, I'm so glad that night I did not go the other way. But at the same time, I was like, man, who would have thought I would have been here one day? You know, if you would have told that kid back then, hey, one day you're going to be receiving this ESPY award. It's like that, that would have been, I was like, no way, that's, that's insane. And just, <laughs> you know, just so blessed to be able to be there. and share a little bit of my story on that stage, but um, it just goes to show you, you know, it's, you got to have faith when you're going through the hard times, you know, I mean, you got to focus on that light at the end of the tunnel and, um, you know, don't allow your challenges to, to block your vision. You know, what are you focused on? Are you focused on the goal? Are you focused on the dream? Are you focused on reaching something? Or are you focused on the challenges, the reasons why it's difficult, why it's hard? Because when you focus on those things, the negative things, you prepare yourself to lose, you prepare yourself to fall short and to accept that defeat, you know? And so for me, that moment for me is like, man, I'm, I'm just so glad I kept grinding. You know, I kept fighting to the very end here. And, uh, it was, a it was a, an amazing experience. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and that faith that you mentioned, Anthony, it looked really the, the, the cornerstone of all that you achieved. And it started again with your mother, the, the, the faith of a, of a young 16 year old new mom, and, you know, your grandparents, her parents at the time had, had given her the option of perhaps putting you up for adoption. But her faith to believe that she could, you know, become 
the mother that she needed to be. Not easy, but at the same time, those that that was the the spirit that was instilled in you at that moment. One of the the things that you talked about in your book um, was a trip to Camp Pendleton to talk to uh, some wounded Marines, and they were going to be competing in the Warrior Games. And you know, I, I had had never thought of it this way, but how when you came in contact with these individuals, you know, you were born without a limb and you, you know, you were able to, to learn how to process it from day one. Mm. These men and women all of a sudden woke up from who knows how long they had been out missing a limb or, you know, a limb that doesn't operate uh, the way it's supposed to. How, how did that impact you? And what was your message to them? And who gained more from it, you or, or them? I think that's a great question. You know, and I'll never forget that that experience and just getting, getting to hang out with those amazing heroes, um, you know, during that time that for that, that full day. And, uh, you know, that was something thinking about is it, like, man, I, I can't imagine waking up one day and losing my leg, you know, being different. Uh, and so, but what I told those guys and, 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 and those girls was that, you know what, our challenges might be different. You know, how we, we, we have been introduced to these challenges might be different, but the mentality is still the same. You know, the approach is still the same. How are you going to react to your situation right now? You know, because you have two choices. You can either crumble down, right? You can break because of the challenge or you can grind. You can find a way to fight, take one more step, you know, go for one more second how are you going to react to your challenge right now? And that was my message uh, to those, those heroes. You know, you, you, you've been through it before. What are you going to do now? You know, are you going to continue to fight? Are you going to continue to battle to get up one more time? Uh, and honestly, I, I felt like for me, I, I believe I got more from that situation than they did because, um, you know, I've struggled through my challenges in life, you know, but I believe that, you know, and it, it's true. You know, there, there's always someone that can have it tougher than you, that can have it a little bit more challenging than you out there. And so be grateful for what you have. Be grateful for the blessings in your life. Uh, and remember, you know, it could always be more difficult. It can always be more challenging. So where you're at right now, it might not be the ideal situation that you exactly want, right? It might not be the opportunity that you you, you really want to get, but take it, you know, move forward, do the best of what you have in the moment that you're in uh, and then see where that takes you and then continue that process over and over again. And that's what I learned from from that experience. Yeah. Well, we have reached the point in the program, my friend, where um, we like to kind of give you the, the stage, so to speak. We call it our, our pay it forward segment. Mm -hmm. And this provides you an opportunity to share with us, with our audience, your audience, um, charities, initiatives, causes that are, you know, near and dear to your heart. And, uh, you know, if we can guide some people your way and, and help make a difference, that's what we're here for. So, uh Share with us what, what what's on your mind. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. And, you know, two things that are really near and dear to my heart. One of them is the Robles Unstoppable Foundation. Um, we started that, my mom and I, along with my uh, college coach and one of my high school coaches, we founded this this uh, foundation a couple years back. And it's aimed at helping underserved student athletes in the Arizona area. We provide scholarships every, every year um, to one student athlete. We're hoping to kind of bump those numbers up. Uh, and so just to kind of give back, you know, give them those opportunities that that I always wanted when I was growing up to be successful, to compete or, you know, pursue the college level 
um, academics and, and athletics. Also, another thing that I'm working on, it's called the Who's Unstoppable Wrestling Tournament. Um, I talked about how my high school coach, how uh, you know he paid for me to go to the national tournament across the country in, in, in Pennsylvania. What I'm trying to do with this tournament, it's right here in Arizona. I'm trying to bring that, that national attention here to Arizona so that the kids who, like me, are growing up and they struggle, they can't afford to do all that travel stuff, they can have the opportunity here at their back door. Uh, so it's called Who's Unstoppable Preseason National Tournament. Uh, for more information on the foundation and the tournament, you can just go to whosunstoppable.com, and that'll kind of give you all the info and what we're doing and, and what we're building towards. Uh, and really, it's just to, just to give back. You know, I have, uh, I've been blessed so much in my life. Uh, you know, we, we were working on the movie these, this past summer, and all these opportunities, man, it, it just came from people who just took the time to help me, you know, just took the time just to give me a one little piece of advice, one little motivating tip to help me over a speed bump in my life. And, and, and I am here because of that. And so I just want to do that for others now. You know, I, I truly just want to give back and I want to show my son all these lessons that I've learned and, and, and what it's about, you know, just, just pushing through life, not only to reach your goals, but to help others reach theirs. And, uh, you know, that, that's my focus now. So just very blessed. That's awesome. That's, that's perfect. Well, and it also provides a perfect segue because you, you brought it up and I was going to save this for last, but you mentioned a movie. Uh, a couple of guys I'm guessing our audience might know, uh, Ben Affleck and, and Matt Damon. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty cool when your phone rings and you're talking to those guys, but share with us what you can. I know that you can't reveal a whole lot of details, but, mm-hmm. but what, a, what an absolute unbelievable experience on top of all the things you've already experienced to have your life, your family's life turned into a movie. Yeah, never in my wildest dreams would I have thought they would make a, a movie about me, but it's a, <laughs> it still feels like a dream now. But, you know, yeah, it's it's been amazing. You know, the, this past summer, May and June, we were filming in in L.A. Uh, the, the movie is being produced by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, Artist Equity, uh, along with Amazon Studios. Uh, Jennifer Lopez is a part of the, the film as well. And uh, they actually brought me on as, as my I'm pretty much my own stunt double in the movie. Uh, so they have an actor playing me. You are. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's been awesome. I was doing all the, a lot of the wrestling scenes and a lot of the, you know, things like that. And so, uh, you know, I had a lot of input on, on how the script was being written and, and the story that's being told. Uh, and, and so it's, it's been, man, it's, it's been crazy. It, it's honestly, it, it's exciting and terrifying at the same time because, you know, the book, you know, that was a whole other process of, of putting my pain and failures out there, right? Putting right. my uncomfortable things out there. The movie is a whole other stage for that whole other platform. Um, and so I'm, I'm nervous about it. But, you know, again, it's back to my ultimate, uh, my ultimate goal, my ultimate mission, which is motivating other people. And I believe that, uh, you know, the uh, artist equity and Amazon, they, they get that in telling this story. They understand what, 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 the, what the meaning is behind it. And it's, it's to motivate, you know, to help people who are wrestling through challenges in their life to show them you know, anything's possible if you want to push through it. So uh, it's been really cool. I'm, I'm hoping that we can wrap up here soon with the filming uh, once the writer's guild strike and everything kind of gets in order. Right. Um, but the movie is going to be called Unstoppable. So hopefully uh, here very soon we'll be able to announce that we're, we're back on the mats again, get the wrestling stuff done and we can get this movie out to, for every people for people to see. So. That is so exciting. Well, I will uh, I will keep my fingers crossed that it gets wrapped up quickly. I can't wait to see it. And uh, hopefully me me and my squad will get an invite because we would be love we would love to be there to to support it because I, I I'm sure they will be exceptional just like you have been. Well, thank you so much. I'll definitely be shooting you guys an invite. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you're very soon. <laughs>
Anthony Robles, All-American, Hall of Famer, author, actor. Maybe the most important role, though, is the one he's got right now, dad. Congratulations, my friend. What an honor it was to have you on here. And uh, good luck to you and the Jackrabbits this season. We'll, we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on the headlines for Mesa Jackrabbit Wrestling, okay? Yes, sir. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Take care, buddy.